I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. The year is 1984. The album, A Truck Stop, is the best place to eat. The artist, Gene Tracy, for the record, that may not be the right year. We'll get into it. My guest this week is Joe Blevins. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. So, I'm, I'm just going to start this here so everybody knows uh, this is a terrible album. <laughs> well, okay. Now, <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get into that. Well, I, I, will, I will say, I've turned down records this bad before. Only this time I have somebody here who has dug into it, done the research. So I'm going to consider this a purely anthropological episode. Um, and I, you wrote an article for, for Vulture. It was a different website then, right? It was. It was called Splitsider. That's that right. Time. It was Splitsider. Right. And it dug into, it was, it was ostensibly about trucker comedy, but it was also about uh, the portability of audio uh, media uh, going yeah. from the LP into uh tape media which made it so you could go into your car um but it's interesting that this yeah. is the angle you took at it though well yeah you know i i was surprised when you contacted me for the comedy on vinyl podcast yeah. because uh this uh the albums that i'm going to be talking about or the comedians that i'm going to be talking about uh, are apparently available on vinyl i'm sure somewhere yes. Yes. in this world but uh they were not intended to be listened on vinyl but I will say that what led me to these tapes uh, were vinyl comedy albums. And uh. I, I would like to talk about that for, for just a moment, if you would let me. Please, yeah. Well, the way I got into these uh, trucker tapes, which are uh, eight-track tapes uh, by, well, not by truckers, but sort of, but uh, for truckers, certainly. Some of them are by truckers. Uh, was really through the party records. And I'm, I assume that you and your listeners would be uh, familiar with party albums and party records. Uh, these would be the uh, adults-only stand-up comedy albums. Mm -hmm. And I found that whenever I'm in a, in a foul mood and need my mood elevated, I immediately go to uh, party records. Um, you know, and these are from Laugh Records, a, a lot of them. And these were artists like um, Red Fox mm -hmm. and Luanda Page and, um, you, you know, uh, Mantan Moreland even. Sure. Uh, and uh, the, the ventriloquism stylings of Richard and Willie, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which is, uh, it's a whole world of these albums. And I noticed that adults-only comedy records that were, I, I suppose, meant to be played at parties or certainly listened to privately because they wouldn't be played on the radio. Uh, the stand-up albums were all by black comedians. Yeah. Uh, but there were also adults-only novelty songs, and these were sometimes R&B because there were groups like Doug Clark and his Hot Nuts that would play mm -hmm. uh, dirty novelty songs, but they were in an R&B mode. But then there were a lot of country ones, and then there were some that are in sort of a pop jazz style people like rusty warren and yeah people like that and so i started look, looking into these adults only novelty records that are for the most part quite tame if you listen to them today yeah but at the time i guess would have been very very shocking and i noticed oh, okay there's 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 not just the black ones there's also like country ones and so i started looking into uh, this country comedy and then that led me into trucker tapes and uh, the way I even got that term was from 
as I explained in the article from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Uh, they would make a couple of uh, jokes every once in a while about trucker tapes, like, you know, the air filled with obscene trucker tapes, like when, uh, like a, I, I think there's a movie called Angel's Revenge, where there's some kind of redneck villains and their hideout gets blown up and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the air filled with obscene trucker tapes and <laughs> stuff. So I was like, what are these trucker tapes? And so I started looking into them, and I found out that uh, there were comedy albums made specifically for truckers. And what made them possible, as you mentioned, was portable music, was the 8-track tape. And so then I started looking at the history of the 8-track tape. When did that come out? So that started in about 19, what, 64, 65? Mm -hmm. And initially, people were reluctant to switch over to a new format as anyone might be because you know they have all their collection on vinyl why would i buy these uh, little boxes that don't sound as good sure and maybe and, and i'm sure the the first generation or two of eight track tapes didn't even work that well right so why should i buy all these and the party records like the lawanda page albums and the red fox albums and the Mantan, Moreland, and Richard and Willie, and all that stuff, that's all on vinyl. Mm -hmm. But it was originally sold as something to listen to in your, in your car. And so who is in, who's driving all the time? Truckers. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> com so a few, a few enterprising comedians and songwriters, uh, I'll, I'll maybe talk about uh, a a musical version of this stuff because there's uh -huh. stand up, there's stand up and there's music. Uh, said, hey, maybe there's an untapped market here. Yeah. And, you know, truckers are on the road for a day for days at a time. Mm hmm. And they have their own language. They have their own lingo. They have their own language. They have their own culture. Um, and I think you know what you need to define a subculture is not just the rituals of of you know how you spend your days and, and also need to have like a shared language that you understand and the people in your subculture understand, but the outsiders don't understand. Sure. I think that's always important to have. So a truckers definitely had that. And as it so happened in the 1970s, just as eight tracks were becoming popular, truckers were also having a cultural moment mm -hmm. uh, that lasted pretty much the whole decade because um, it lasts right into the late 70s and arguably into the early 80s and where truckers were uh, seen as kind of anti-authoritarian counterculture in their own way uh, anti-heroes mm -hmm. uh, they were always against the cops and there's a great there's a lot of anti-authority uh, motifs in these records that I'm going to maybe discuss here. Mm -hmm. um, and people who know me know that one of my uh, other passions in life is documenting the uh, life and career of filmmaker Ed Wood. Mm -hmm. Plan 9 from Outer Space, that guy. The worst director of all time. Sure. Johnny Depp played him in the movie. Everybody knows him. So Ed wrote an article in the 70s, he was a big magazine writer in addition to being a filmmaker. And he wrote an article called Trucking's a Ball mm -hmm. about the trucker lifestyle. And it was so close to these albums uh, because he 
pinpointed for me when I was reading over his article what makes truckers special or what makes them kind of cool in their own way is that they are anti-authority. Their hated enemies are the cops and government institutions that Mm -hmm. are trying to uh, hassle them. And that comes up all the time on trucker albums if you're into them. Mm -hmm. Um, But unlike your hippies, they don't have this kind of, um, you know, passive, peacenik, wimpy, wussy kind of uh, persona. You know, these truckers are, they're all men, you know, they can handle themselves in a fight. Mm -hmm. And so they're both anti-authoritarian, which is good, but they're also macho at the same time. So you have sort of the best of both worlds in these truckers. And um, I I grew up, I I was born in the mid 70s. So I I experienced a little bit of the of the trucker moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly one trucker based piece piece of audio comedy uh, that uh, certainly gained uh, mainstream success is the novelty song Convoy. Sure. By C.W. McCall. And that highlights something special about a trucker comedy in that uh, C.W. McCall does not exist. Right. Uh, C.W. McCall is an advertising character. Uh, and he was created to, to, I think, sell bread or something like that. <laughs> and And he had this song about the old, you know, film up and keep on trucking cafe or something. And he was, and that was such a hit, this commercial that they did a novelty song about it. And that was a huge hit in 1975. And if you listen to um, Convoy, it's almost unintelligible. It's almost so dense with uh, trucker slang and trucker references Mm -hmm. that it's almost incomprehensible to the outsider. And yet somehow this song, uh, made it you know uh made it big to the the entire nation everybody was listening everybody was listening to convoy they made a convoy movie right and then there was um there was a trucker there was a few trucker tv shows there was moving on and uh, bj and the bear oh sure yeah you know so uh, truckers were kind of everywhere in the 70s but that was mainstream you know that was stuff that the that uh, I'm not even sure if, if real truckers were into the song Convoy or not. Sure. It, it kind of sounds, it kind of, the, the, the chorus of that song always sounds a little Broadway for me, uh, for <laughs> truckers, because I think of truckers as mostly listening to country. Um, but the stuff that I got interested in was the stuff that was directed specifically to truckers and was not popular with the mainstream. And of course the, the best, um, example of that is the comedian uh, Gene Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Truck Stop, and the one whose album that you said was one of the worst you'd ever heard. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's the thing about, about Gene Tracy's albums. Um, by today's standards, they're appalling. They're appalling by today's standards. They are filled with uh, all kinds of uh, racial and ethnic and sexual slurs that would not be acceptable today. And uh, most of the jokes are just those kind of guy walks into a bar (laughs) kind of jokes or guy walks into a whorehouse, except Gene will just put a, a smattering of trucker on top of it. So Uh rather than 
a guy walks into a bar. It's a trucker walks into a bar yeah. or a trucker goes into a whorehouse. Now, I was trying to find out whether Gene, whose real name I think was Ivan Eugene Morris, is okay. his manager who came up with the Gene Tracy thing. Okay. And Gene put out this series of truck stop uh, eight-track albums mm -hmm. recorded live, some of them at actual truck stops, with names like 69 miles to Gene Tracy's uh, 69 miles to Gene Tracy's truck stop. Mm -hmm. A truck stop is the best place to eat. Um, I mainly knew them like at yeah. A truck stop is the best place to eat. I think is probably one of the more famous one Gene Tracy serves you. But these are not famous to the rest of the world. No. Uh, they, nobody is like when people talk about comedy albums of the 70s, they're talking about Richard Pryor and. Sure and uh george carlin they're not talking about a truck stop is the best place to eat nobody's right to, nobody's listening to this even stuff. though it should be pointed out this is a huge discography if you go to discogs.com right oh, yes. now anybody listening look at this ridiculously long discography that is it, well, it's, it's crazy well you know the truckers you know truckers supported this guy sure yeah but the thing is what i was trying to determine was and he was always introduced this way mm -hmm. as a real trucker was gene tracy a real trucker yeah well what i found out was that he was mainly known before stand-up comedy as a um as a circus promoter mm -hmm. and as a circus promoter i guess you're always going from town to town to promote circuses so he's on the road a lot sure and he might well be driving a truck mm -hmm. or just a regular truck but i don't i don't think he's driving an 18 wheeler but um he is eating at the truck stops, and he's hearing the truckers tell the kind of jokes that you might hear at a truck stop or at a barber shop. I used to hear those kinds of jokes at barber shops, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And he just is remembering them, and then saying them on stage. Um, so that's basically what uh, Gene Tracy's act consists of. It's basically he goes on stage and says, you know. Uh, you know, a guy walks into a bar or a guy goes into a whorehouse or something mm -hmm. and uh, and we will and tells those stories that are um, a little story with a punchline at the end. And now. No, no stand up comedians currently, I think, in the year 2021 do those kinds of jokes anymore. Right. Nobody tells like those kind of jokes. But if you listen to the party albums that I was referring to earlier, the Lawanda Jacks, the you know, the Luanda albums, the Red Fox albums, um, a lot of it is that kind of stuff. Sure, They're Rudy Ray Moore, definitely. Rudy that. Ray Moore, he will tell. And and one thing that Rudy Ray Moore did and Luanda did, Luanda Page, I called her. Um, that one that that uh, both Rudy Ray Moore and Luanda Page did was they would also make up little poems. Mm -hmm. and tell you a little sort of uh, ribald or dirty uh, <laughs> poems and that's something that you see a little bit in uh in truck stop comedy people telling little uh poems and stories and rhyme mm. i haven't heard gene do that on any of his albums but I, I wouldn't put it past him to do it but uh i can't tell if if gene ever actually wrote any of this material himself or if it was all just stuff that he heard oh right yeah so I, I don't, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would do a lot of writing. Sure. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I think he mainly just, uh, you know, on the cover of, of one of his albums, he looks like, um, he looks like, 
like Ralph Cramden. Uh, absolutely, from the yeah. Is, is absolutely what he looks like. He, he looks like Ralph Cramden. And I said, I, I think I, I might have described him as a melted Buddy Hackett or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so if he has a specialty, his specialty, and one thing that he goes, and if there's something that makes his act unique, I guess, uh, is he has a voice that he will like to do. And it's of a hair-lipped person. Right. Yeah. And that is something that he goes to again and again on his albums, uh, doing the hair lip jokes. And I'm not sure why, like, that was... Yeah. uh, Although, I heard a Mantan Moreland album where Mantan also does a hair lip routine. Interesting. So maybe that's part of the this world. You don't think of like the black comedy world and the trucker comedy world as, as overlapping. Right. But some of the joke formats are the same and some of the and some of the gimmicks are the same because I thought how interesting that Mantan should do uh like a hair lip routine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gene just did that over and over again. I think that was like something that the the audience was waiting for. It was his version of uh, smashing watermelons on the stage right, or something. Right, right. But, um, you know, so what was interesting to me was that within a pretty short span of time, uh, you know, Gene only lived into his, uh, his early 50s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was a combination of his weight he was a, he was an overweight guy he traveled around all the time which is a stressful life that's hard on your body and i would assume that he's eating just a lot of truck stop food and probably drinking all the time out sure. there on the road and these took a toll on him and uh he died in 1979 um there is another comedian who I wish I could have found out more about who goes by the name of Gene Tracy Jr. Interesting. That, that I had out, not seen. Okay. He's put out some records. I don't think he's the actual son of Gene Tracy, but um, there is a guy who calls himself Gene Tracy Jr. Just as there's a guy who calls himself Elvis Presley Jr. who's out there on the world. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, so Gene uh, just fires out album after album after album or eight track after eight track after eight track mm-hmm. and the thing is you got to imagine a trucker in the cab of his truck days on the road and this was the the opportunity to finally you can take your own audio with you you're not dependent on what's on the radio mm-hmm. so i'm sure that truckers listen to a lot of country music mm-hmm. and obviously um I was just listening to some trucker comedy music just, I think, yesterday. And um, they were talking about, you know, he was singing about being out on the road. And he was singing about listening to Merle Haggard. And I was thinking, sure, Merle Haggard, you know, Johnny Cash. He'd be listening to that stuff. In my article, I talked about a guy named Red Red Sovine. Mm -hmm. And Red uh, was a country singer who specialized in trucker songs. His most famous record is a record called uh, Teddy Bear. Mm-hmm. And that's when where the little sick boy is at home and he calls out on the CB radio to truckers, you know, and then like a whole line of truckers shows up at the house of this little sick boy. And his handle on the CB is um, his handle on the CB is uh, Teddy Bear. So there's this whole it's a very schmaltzy song. 
this mm-hmm. teddy bear. So, but it was, uh, but red was um, red was beloved by truckers. So, I think in their own way, uh, in in his own way, Gene Tracy was also beloved by truckers because it was music for them. It was comedy for them, and and Gene was certainly not getting booked on Merv Griffin. He wasn't going on the <laughs> the Carson show. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like every time I, I wanted to write about comedy, I was always writing about these uh, these fringe guys, you yeah. know, who who <laughs> just missed mainstream uh, success. But um, who I, I would wrote... I would bet though. That, sorry to interrupt, but I, I would bet some of them were like, "Well, fuck it, I don't need it." Because whoever came up with this as a business strategy is rather brilliant. I I, I remember years ago thinking I had this idea first. I'm like. Hey, I should get into. I would never get into a trucker company, but I'm like, I feel like this is an untapped market because I dealt with a lot of truckers at my old job, and I'm like, well, shit. I, I this is a group of people with disposable income who are constantly on the road. I had roughly the same thought, and I'm like, boy, oh boy, there's a business out there, and this is that business. There's no doubt well, about it. Well, that's how it worked for Gene. Mm-hmm. Um, just the wheels started turning. I think he went to these truck stops, started, you know. Uh, meeting with truckers there mm-hmm. and you know just started hearing the jokes they would tell and think like yeah this could this could be a business for me and what happened was i think gene may have you know set the pace and then other people started not many but a few mm-hmm. uh, started uh, making trucker comedy of their own and i think the second most interesting person in trucker comedy history uh, was a guy named Hollis Champion, mm-hmm. who was a uh, who'd been a rock a rockabilly musician in the '50s, and you know, singing in that sort of Carl Perkins, Elvis kind of style. Mm-hmm. And he was out on the road a lot, and so then he started in the '70s. He adopted the uh, persona of Elmer Fudpucker. <laughs> And started doing these uh, country uh, songs about uh, trucker life, like mm-hmm. mother, like mother trucker, and uh, the damn dot and damn dot part two. And one thing that that will uh, distinguish uh, the Elmer Fudpucker records from from Gene Tracy, uh, not only are they sung, mm-hmm. but uh, the Elmer Fudpucker records. Now, the Gene Tracy records are certainly risque. They're ribald. They're mm-hmm. adults only. The Elmer Fudpucker ones are just flat out filth. They are. He just goes straight to just. It's the dirtiest stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's like really, really profane. And, um, but that's another thing about doing really a uh, dirty or offensive comedy. It keeps people out. Mm-hmm. It's a way of saying, this isn't for you. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say the F word like every other line practically in this song because this ain't for your tea parties. This ain't for your <laughs> sewing circle. This is for truckers. Right. And so I don't think Elmer, I, I'm not sure that Hollis Champion was a um, was a real trucker either. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly he was out on the road. And when he would uh, sing these songs uh, about the Department of Transportation, the damn DOT, you see, that's not something that the average, um, that's not something the average person cares about. Right. 
like they don't they don't care about these like you know his, his complaints are like you know they they make you stop and they have to weigh the truck and then they see if you have any mechanical problems or anything like that with your truck and you have to pay fines and mm-hmm. you know he's singing about you know like i'm just trying to raise a family here i'm trying to make ends meet why do they have to come after me and he's saying it with a lot more profanity than i am i'm saying it nice sure he's not saying it so nice so i'm like this isn't something that the the public cares about yeah uh but this is something the truckers care about um and then what i've found is that uh trucker comedy has persisted uh i mean obviously the days of the eight track are behind us um for all but a, a few dedicated collectors out there uh, i'm embarrassed to say that i i don't have a working eight track player uh <laughs> so i can't enjoy these uh i'm i can't enjoy these tracks the way they were meant to be enjoyed mm-hmm. i'm listening to them digitally i'm di- listening through streaming which is uh you know it's it's pretty uh that's a pretty hoity-toity kind of way to, to, to do it, you know. I'm not listening to the, and uh, also, I've never—I don't think I've ever been to a real truck stop in my life. Uh huh. But uh, the thing that I found about later trucker comedy records, and they're still being made, I guess, apparently, is that the early ones at least you could sort of tell what they were about and Mm -hmm. in the gene tracy there's not really a mystery what what he's saying um because again he's just slathering just a a a thin layer of trucker over top of creaky old jokes that have probably been told in vfw halls and stuff for years Mm -hmm. you know but today's trucker comedy or recent trucker comedy it sounds like it's in a foreign language yeah because it it's in you know it's absolutely um indecipherable to to outsiders and that is the point of it yeah so uh the point of it is that they're really trying to keep people out now (laughs) (laughs) they really don't like uh, a gene tracy album you know, I was surprised. I, I heard one person say that, you know, like the first place that they ever heard like uh, dirty comedy records or adult comedy records was at camp. Huh. And because like kids at camp would share them. And that was where I heard adult comedy records, too. In in my case, it was like Cheech and Chong records. Oh, because, sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, and National Lampoon tapes and then you know because you'd have to you know look out for for uh, adults because you know both on Cheech and Chong and on the National Lampoon tapes uh, they would swear and they would talk about sex and drugs mm-hmm. and breaking the law and all of these things and you know you'd be you'd feel like you were really getting away with something uh, so you know uh, that was how I you know that was how I first experienced this, this record but it was it's sort of like um well, these uh, but these current tr- trucker comedians, um, it's it's not to attract kids or anything. Right. Like a, a kid who listened to these current trucker albums wouldn't have any idea what they were talking about. But um, my uh, well, I did learn a little bit of slang from them. I uh-huh. guess I bet. I've been trying <laughs> to learn some slang from them. Uh, one of the more common terms is uh, lot lizard. Uh huh. Which I guess are the women uh, 
possibly uh, prostitutes mm-hmm. that frequent the truck stops and hit on the truckers. Those truckers are, are a lot lizards. And uh, another term is lumper. Uh-huh. And a lumper is um, somebody who loads and unloads the trucks. And truckers don't want to do any. So uh, there's this guy, uh, Ernie Schill. Uh, and I would really recommend uh, spending some quality time with Ernie Schill mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and his many, many, many albums. And his catchphrase is, I ain't no lumper. It's his mm-hmm. version of you might be a redneck okay. or, or get her done. I ain't no lumper. And what that means is he's not going to load or unload uh, his, uh, his own truck. He won't, okay. he'll, he'll do the driving, but he won't load or unload his truck. But um, Ernie will do uh, – I, I don't know that I've ever heard Ernie uh, sing per se, but he will say stuff in rhyme. Okay. He will do, he will do stuff in rhyme. And um, – a lot of trucker comedy uh, of the musical variety, a lot of it ends up being sort of talk singing. And, and you can definitely hear that in Convoy, Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, where you know, the, the chorus is sung, but then the, uh, the verses are all, you know, on the dark of the moon, on the 6th of June, and in Kenworth Hall and Logs, cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy Hall and Hogs, you know, that kind of, well, <laughs> that fits in with the, a lot of country music because, um, Johnny Cash does talk sang a lot of his songs. He, sure. he would tell the, he would tell these stories and there's uh I'm sure this this uh, record One Piece at a Time by Johnny Cash I'm sure was popular among truckers. Uh that's where the guy is um stealing parts out of a GM parts plant mm-hmm. uh one at a time so he can build his own Cadillac at home. And <laughs> that's a crazy record if you haven't heard it. Uh, it's it's a it's um where he's he's basically he wants his own he wants a free Cadillac basically from his work so he steals it one piece at a time and then he assembles it but it takes him so long to get all the parts that when he gets it together it's like this Frankenstein kind of vehicle okay and it's told in that sort of you know talk singing rhymed kind of way another guy who did a lot of this was uh, Jerry Reed sure yeah yeah and then Jerry ended up playing uh, a trucker in the uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. And I think Jerry is the guy that sang the, you know, the trucker classic Eastbound and Down. Yeah, he is, yeah. So that's so that's Jerry Reed as well. And if you listen to a lot of Jerry's records from his um, heyday, you know, a lot of that is rhymed, uh, you know, talk singing, you know. And uh, I, I've gotten into debates with people. I always try to defend uh, the music of Jerry Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's not one who's beloved by uh, music critics or comedy <laughs> critics, but I always think Jerry's was pretty funny, and I think he was a pretty good actor as well. Oh yeah. Uh, so some of the modern stuff uh, is is still in that is still in that mold, um, except now, of course, it's written in. Um, it's there's guys like. Uh, there's Catfish and Little Brother Trucker and all these guys. And mm-hmm. I, you listen to it. And I, I think in, in my article, I said that they were, it was like listening to Elvish. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like something <laughs> out of Middle Earth. There was something like, like, is this still English anymore? <laughs> but um, so I, I wouldn't say that people who are interested in trucker tapes should necessarily start 
<laughs> with the newer stuff because you'll find yourself, as I did, like practically listening to a foreign language. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I guess start with Gene Tracy. Um, it's it's tough to it's it's tough to defend this as comedy. Sure. This is a this is a comedy on vinyl podcast, and a lot of wonderful comedy has been committed to vinyl records, and stuff that people would want to uh, listen to over and over again. Um, Gene Tracy's stuff and most uh, trucker comedy is at best uh, disposable junk. <laughs> uh, it is not. Uh, and to many listeners, they will not be able to get beyond the uh, the slurs. Sure. They will not be able to get beyond the language of it. Yeah. And they will say, uh, no, thank you. This is not for me. But what makes it interesting to me and why I wanted to write about it was that this is a parallel uh, show business. This is yeah. not mainstream show business. Uh, but in a way... That again compares it to the black comedians that mm -hmm. had been working in the previous decades, and still to this day, I think there are, you know, mainly black comedy clubs and black comedy circuits, but there are also black comedians who just go absolutely mainstream. But for many, many years, uh, black comedians basically had their own parallel show business. Yeah, you know. Um, it was a big deal when Red Fox started breaking through. Yeah. Because that was somebody from one orbit of show business breaking through to another. You know, he started appearing on television and then he started doing uh, comedy specials where he would just, uh, and albums where he would just do his act, his full tilt act. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and mainstream audiences by which I mean, you know, mixed race audiences, black and white uh, audience, uh, uh, you know, black people and white people in the audience at the same time mm -hmm. uh, would start listening to it. And that is what's remarkable when you see uh, later Red Fox specials is that it's an integrated audience. He's playing in Vegas. He's playing to everybody. Sure. He's not on this. And then the term is the Chitlin circuit, you mm -hmm. know, basically. Uh, he's not on that Chitlin circuit anymore. He's he's mainstream. Um, these trucker guys, I don't, they never they never, other than a few random things like like uh, Convoy by C. W. McCall, uh, very little of this went mainstream. By the way, though, now that I mentioned Convoy, I have to mention an answer record to Convoy which is one of the craziest records I've ever heard. I think in my I life. might know what you're going to say. I possibly it's, know. It's called CB Savage. Oh no, I don't know this one. CB Savage by Rod Hart. Mm -hmm. And this supposedly scraped onto the billboard charts, uh, the country charts and maybe the pop charts as well. It is very politically incorrect by today's standards, mm -hmm. but it's also a really strange record. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, I took notice because Rod Hart is from my home state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And what people don't know about Michigan is that there are a lot of rednecks in Michigan. I mean, we found out this last year when they went to the governor's house, but yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, 
Same from upstate New York, though. I'm what? from upstate New York, and I live in Michigan now. But yeah, absolutely, it's one thing people don't really talk about. Well, you know, one thing that that uh, is underreported in in Michigan is that um, a lot of the families that came to Michigan came from the South. They came up to uh, Detroit, and in my case, in the case of my family, to Flint uh, because of the auto industry. Mm-hmm. And that was how my father's family came to Michigan. My father's uh, older siblings, they were all born down in Missouri. And the, only the last couple, including my dad, were actually born in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And they came up to Flint so that my grandfather could work at uh, General Motors. And they brought Southern culture, uh, they brought Southern culture with them and you can to this day, or at least, well, I will, I'll say to this day, but I, I moved out of Michigan in the 90s. But you could hear up until the 90s, uh, you could definitely hear um, the redneck accent mm-hmm. uh, in, in parts of Michigan. And one of, the, one of the rare comedians to point this out is David Cross. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. David, David in his act, David, I think is from, is from Georgia. Yeah. And David said in his act and i was glad he finally said this he said like you know you can hear the redneck accent just about anywhere you know you say like well that's how we talk here in michigan that's how we talk here in ohio indiana you know mm-hmm. so um this guy rod hart getting back to him he did this record called cb savage and it was i guess um an answer record to convoy and the plot of Convoy is that the truckers don't want to pay a toll. Mm-hmm. And so they form the biggest convoy, which is just a big line of trucks that I think stretches by the end of the song stretches across America mm-hmm. and the big, uh, and there's cops everywhere. And the big victory at the end of the song is that they crash the gate doing 98 saying, let those truckers roll. They don't pay their toll at the end uh-huh. of the <laughs> They don't pay the toll. They pay whatever it was, the dime. I don't know what it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is back in the seventies. I don't think it was much of anything. Uh-huh. But they don't pay the they don't pay the dime. Um, which I guess I'm getting off the topic, but this <laughs> that ties it to that um you know, the Rock Island line by um Lonnie Donegan. Mm-hmm. Uh he talks about being on the railroad and then the railroad guy not paying a toll at the beginning oh, yeah, of his uh-huh. song. Uh-huh. So he says, you know, um, you know, he's so in a way, the Lonnie Donegan um, Rock Island line is kind of a precursor to uh, Convoy because it's both about like defying the rules, not paying the toll. Mm-hmm. Um, so this CB Savage is actually kind of told from the perspective of the cops. Okay. The cops that are, you know, the Smokies and um, that are constantly mentioned in these, uh, in these tapes and and all through uh you know obviously the smoky is the uh is the villain of all the trucker comedy uh other than the dot um well this record is about a this record is about a cop who pretends to be gay uh-huh and talks to truckers on the cb like flirts with the truckers over the cb mm-hmm. to distract them into a trap so they don't realize that they're being surrounded by cops because they're so distracted by this gay guy on the CB radio. 
Holy crap. And, and that's CB Savage. And uh, it's, it's, it's available. It's out there. Uh-huh. Um, and again, it's very, very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, it's hard to defend as comedy. Again, this is hard. This stuff is hard to defend as comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, if I, if I, well, I mean, some of the other stuff that I, I've, I've written about, you know, I wrote about uh, David Fry, the Impressionist, and mm-hmm. I wrote about um, other regional comedy like, um, you know, the, the the comedy of the Upper Midwest, where it's about hunting and fishing and things like that. I was kind of fascinated with that as well. There's, I mean, there's a whole. Speaking of Michigan, there's a whole Uper comedy, like little mini, like undercurrent and that was what fascinated me was that oh yeah like the youpers i guess are somewhat known to the the i weirdly knew about them uh you know what it was back in the days of when i first discovering mp3 so i downloaded everything that was labeled comedy like an idiot yeah and that's how i found out about them yeah so the youpers are somewhat famous to Mm -hmm. the rest of the country a Mm -hmm. little tiny bit smidge yeah and there's there's a, a whole world of that stuff that's not known at all yeah but just like with the trucker comedy, it's sometimes difficult to defend as comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say like bananas at large or de Youpers or shad rap or some like some of the greatest uh, musical comedians I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> right. And um, a lot of people will probably hear uh, one of Gene Tracy's uh, eight tracks and just kind of dismiss this guy as just a hack, you know, like, um, you know, telling the kind of jokes that I, you know, kids are telling on playgrounds or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what interests me is that it's just like with the, the youper kind of comedy, it's a separate universe. Mm -hmm. And the Chitlin circuit, Chitlin circuit, of comedy that's actually been fairly well documented there's books and there's documentaries about the chitlin circuit yeah with the trucker comedy and with the youper comedy there's not so much people weren't writing about it that's why i didn't i didn't write an article about lamonda page be, or red fox because no one needs me to do that yeah right yeah <laughs> nobody needed me to do that uh but i was like this is a whole separate circuit, a circuit that continues to this day Yeah, that the rest of the public has no idea about. Yeah. And that always interests me. Um, that interests me wherever it pops up. And sometimes that stuff goes, sometimes that stuff goes mainstream. Sometimes there'll be like some hyper local music scene, uh, you know, in some city. Oh yeah, sure. That will eventually uh, catch on. I think, or, or theater scene or something scene. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, you know, the, the phenomenon of Tyler Perry was, you know, had Tyler Perry never gone mainstream mm-hmm. ever in his life, he would have still managed to make a wonderful living. Oh, absolutely. Off of, yeah. Of, off of what he did. And one thing that Tyler Perry said that I think reflects on this, weirdly reflects on this trucker comedy as well. I'm always tying it back to those truckers mm-hmm. is that he says uh, that, um, he is. He was quoted as saying, "Hollywood knows nothing about my audience." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hollywood knows nothing about my audience. He said, and that's the way it was with Elmer Fudpucker and Gene Tracy and Ernie Schill. Uh, they knew an audience 
that Hollywood didn't know, maybe even maybe even Nashville didn't know totally. Um, and wherever you see something like that, uh, you know, cash registers can go off in your head and think <laughs> like, um, and in a way where these guys, uh, these guys were in a way opportunists for sure. Yeah. But I will say over the course of recording all these albums in truck stops and one I haven't heard by Gene Tracy, but which exists, he apparently did one over in England, which I saw I, that. Uh, I haven't listened to that one yet. Uh, I can't imagine. I, I, I don't know. Do, do they have trucker culture over there? I don't know. They, this they don't is a call- good question. I often wonder, like, it, it can't be the same because they're it, never going to be traversing the same amount of distance, just purely based on geography. But Exactly. So, um, you know, uh, but he did, I guess, record over there. But um, Gene Tracy, I would say, even if he was never a real trucker, mm-hmm. and he always claimed to have been one, but I can't find any evidence that he actually was. Mm-hmm. I think he genuinely grew to love his audience. I think he, I think he really did love his audience. I think he loved performing for them, and they supported him, and they kept him going. And you might, I mean, the naysayer here is going to say, you know, he fed into all the, he fed fed into all their prejudices and he sure. just su- supported them and then their prejudices. And that ties into another article. I, I think I wrote a com- about a comedian named uh, Bernard Manning, who was a, a British comedian. And uh, his stuff is very, very offensive. Mm-hmm. And um, I I was covering his career as being like, you know, um, as a sociological phenomenon, you know, he would be popular with a certain, uh, with a certain audience, a certain working class audience. Mm -hmm. And he was very not much, not respected by critics, Uh, but a brilliant teller of jokes. He was a brilliant sort of storyteller and a brilliant stage performer. I don't know. Did you did you develop any kind of even grudging respect for for Gene Tracy after a while at all? I got about eight minutes into it, and okay. I had to stop. Now here's the thing: I uh, I have listened to stuff of this ilk before, <laughs> knew where it was going, knew he's not okay. I can't say he's not a professional comedian because obviously, technically, he was. However, he was not. A, uh, a comedy writer we'll say it that way he wasn't a comic yeah. uh, in the traditional sense this was, guy was a joke teller I, well i say traditional he was definitely in the tradition a tradition of the closer to vaudeville yeah. circle cir- circuit you know what i'm saying like it definitely uh, yeah. was of that for sure we well you know by the 1970s uh especially mm-hmm. and you see it uh developing through the 19 well maybe going into the 1950s and 1960s uh, and it's come full flower by the 70s, people seeing stand-up comedy as a mode of personal expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when Richard Pryor hits the stage and starts talking, uh, this is, I'm, I'm sure Richard, I, I think, even had writers, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's meant to be his voice, you know, what what is important to him. Yeah. And um, you can see Richard's uh, you can see Richard's voice develop. 
if you watch, I've been watching, it's, it's wonderful. They're now rerunning the Ed Sullivan show and you can see like Carlin and Pryor when they were young and before they kind of got more personal with their stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just trying to be funny and just trying to be mainstream entertainers. But um, Gene is not expressing anything about himself personally. Right. Um, he, this is not a, mo uh, a mode of personal expression for him. Um, he is, as you say, a, a, he's a joke teller. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, when I would listen to the, uh, the Mark Maron podcast, which is, you know, he often interviews, he's a comedian himself, and he often interviews other uh, comedians. Uh, he will refer to those story kind of jokes. He called them street jokes. Mm-hmm which is his, his, his terminology. And it was like, you know, like, I, he was talking to a comedian and, and saying like, and the comedian said, well, in the early, early days, I didn't really have any material of my own. And Mark Maron would say, well, what were you doing? Telling street jokes? Mm -hmm. Like that would be like the, the hackiest, worst thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but street jokes work. I mean, they, they are, they're, they're hacky in a way. Uh, but mm -hmm. um, they they get a laugh uh, generally. Um, I, I, I don't know if it, the last comedian I I knew who would ever do them. Gilbert Gottfried would occasionally. Oh do sure, them. yeah. Gilbert would occasionally do them. Um, I guess if you ever watched the uh, the documentary the the uh, Aristocrats, I, I guess that was sort of the sort of a funeral for. Uh, <laughs> joke telling right you know right. because comedians don't tell jokes uh, the, the modern day comedian does not tell jokes nobody does jokes with punchlines anymore i mean mm -hmm. that's um incredibly passe and i would say it was getting to be passe by the time that um by the time gene tracy came along because i'm listening to other uh, 70s stand-up albums um I was listening to Robert Klein. Mm -hmm. I was listening to uh, Freddie Prinze. And Freddie Prinze doesn't do, you know, he doesn't, he didn't do uh, street jokes. He would tell about his life. He would say, you know, he was, he would talk about his neighborhood and uh, the cockroaches in his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And we tell a little, you know, he would talk about his life. It was coming from, personal experience and uh robert klein did a, a great album called uh, child of the 50s and um he was talking about growing up in the 1950s mm -hmm. and he was telling very very personal experiences and he would talk about um and he was talking about uh, civil defense and and having to hide under the desk and you, you know because you know the the bomb was going to drop you know and Russia was going to drop the bomb and you were supposed to hide under your desk and how you'd have nightmares about it and and he he talked about his teachers wearing it would be these ladies wearing Boy Scout shoes and I thought that was a funny little line about you know he would they would <laughs> these these teachers would they'd send these ladies out wearing Boy Scout shoes and they would tell the kids, uh, no talking, no talking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. That, so that's a relatable, that's a relatable thing from Robert Klein's childhood that people can relate to. And um, there's, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that in, in Gene Tracy's work. I'm sorry you, <laughs> I'm sorry you had to tap out after eight <laughs> minutes. But um, 
I would say don't go into these for comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, go into these for sociology. Yeah. Uh, go into these for uh, archaeology. <laughs> um, and for these uh, modern day truck, uh, these modern day trucker comedians. Now I think you probably have to be a real trucker. I don't think that they let pretenders make these albums anymore. I don't think there's sure. room for the. I don't think there's room for uh, fakers in this world anymore. Right. Um, one thing that they're doing is uh, it's kind of an oral history, you know, and it's um, maybe these slang terms, maybe lot lizard and lumper, you know, terms like these, maybe they would vanish into the ether. Right. Maybe these would go away. Maybe no one would ever hear them if it weren't for guys making these comedy albums. So uh, just like um, just like that youper comedy, maybe uh, this stuff is, is like carving it into stone mm -hmm. in a way, you know, um, and getting it preserved somewhere because yeah. it's a it's a whole world. You know, um, I'm so glad um the party records have been preserved and I'm so glad that so many of them have been uh, uh, posted online and, and are so easily uh, yeah. findable. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I, don't, I would have to ask, are, are you a fan of, of any of the, of the party records? Are you? I have liked uh, every uh, early Red Fox I've heard. Uh, I was friends with the late Rusty Warren and I have listened just as a matter of, of course, listened to, I think, almost every one of her records, which is hilarious because they are like 30% from the first one album travels to the next album. They're very much the same. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I am, uh, to, you know, and hers specifically because I feel like she was genuinely a groundbreaker. So is Red Fox, but also... Early Red Fox is not nearly as filthy as you think of, and uh, I was always kind of delighted right, right. by how innocent it sounds, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they're not as, uh, they're not as aggressively uh, dirty. Yeah. Uh, there, there, are certainly, there are certainly scales here. Um, I wouldn't say that Gene, I wouldn't say that Gene Tracy is very aggressive. I mean, it's, there's some adult stuff. It's a little bit raunchy. It's not as aggressively dirty. That was why when, I started listening to Elmer Fudpucker and everything was <laughs> after sure. that, you know, yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, and he's singing it too, which somehow makes it like more in your face. Uh -huh. like, if he's, if somebody just says F you, that's one thing. If they sing <laughs> F you, you know, that's, that's like a, that's like a whole other level of hostility. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Gene, um, Gene stuff is, somewhat similar i mean i he's not in he's not in the he's not in the, the league of lawanda mm -hmm. and he's not in the league of red fox he's about in the league of richard and willie oh sure, uh, richard sure. and willie were a they were a a, a black uh, ventriloquist act the other one people think of willie tyler and lester mm -hmm. but this mm -hmm. was the other one yeah <laughs> i remember in uh i remember one interview where they asked about willie willie tyler do you know richard and willie and he says oh yeah i knew that guy i mean we ran into each other and um, Richard and Willie, uh, they have an album where it's, it's kind of wobbly as far as comedy goes, you know, he's, he's mm -hmm. sort of funny and, 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 but there's a fascinating part in one of their albums where he, like, there's a white guy who in the audience who's heckling and then 
the ventriloquist actually kind of does a back and forth with the heckler for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the kind of thing that normally wouldn't get preserved on a comedy album, but there it is. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I can't say the full, I can't say the full name of the album because it contains a very rude word indeed. Mm -hmm. But um, I will start that the first two words are funky honky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, give that one a listen. Mm -hmm. uh, He's no Red Fox. He's no Richard Pryor. But it's it's fascinating as as a cultural artifact. And I, I've said if anybody ever wanted to get on my good side, uh, what they should do is just send me like a whole crate of uh, albums from Laugh Records, mm -hmm. and uh, and I would just uh, lock myself into my apartment and I wouldn't come out for a week and I would just listen to them. Um, <laughs> the current label that specializes in trucker comedy has a very similar name. It's Laughing Hyena. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So so uh, I'm not sure. Is Laugh Records, is that L-A-F-F? -F? It is, yeah. I think yep. it is. It's L-A-F-F. -F. Well, Laughing Hyena spells it L-A-U-G-H-I-N-G. So Laughing Hyena. And they have a YouTube presence. Um, and I would say, and they post little uh, bits and pieces of the comedy there. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say check out Laughing Hyena on YouTube. And you get a sense of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to promise that you're going to laugh. <laughs> I don't promise laughter. Sure. I do promise if you're into it, you're going to get a genuine sociological experience. Uh, you're not going to get, no, it's, it, you're, you're, if you're really, I don't know, if you're really drunk or something, you might <laughs> get some laughs out of it. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think that um, th that's, that. It's mostly interesting as historical curiosity. So when they started talking about trucker tapes on Mystery Science Theater, mm -hmm. I had to check them out. I did. I found out what they're about. Um, and they are what you're hoping for. Uh, they're raunchy. They're very specific to a subculture. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I would say if people are interested, they, yeah, yeah, they should check them out. Love it. I love it. Uh, I, I, I feel like I should also mention uh, the one I thought you were referring to earlier is one entitled <laughs> creatively Yavnok or Convoy Backwards. There was a guy who went by the name Cletus Maggard, Cletus Maggard in the city, Citizens Band, and he was by no means a trucker, an advertising executive and an actor. Uh, I interviewed his son a couple years back. It, honestly, one of my favorite episodes ever because we dug into what that guy's real life was and who he actually was. He he had a hit song a bit after Convoy and did a whole record of trucker music. And um, But it's all, I mean, it's as tongue-in-cheek as you're going to get. And it's much more, well, it's, it's way less, uh, everything we've been talking about this episode, it's way less that. But it is more in the tradition of uh, actual comedy <laughs> and not as offensive, well, but it's something to like dig into for like there is another side to it, but it's very rare. And it was just about only this guy and maybe C.W. McCall. Well, you know, people are uh, I, I, people are aware uh, of of country comedy mm -hmm. and people are, are aware of well redneck comedy, obviously, because of Jeff Foxworthy. Sure. And uh uh, Larry the Cable Guy went hyper mainstream. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then there are, are, but there are always strata. You know, there's guys like Cletus T. Judd. Yep. Um, yep. And again, I'm not going to say that Cletus T. Judd is a 
uh, a brilliant musical comedian. Um, but there's something genuine about that guy. <laughs> I don't know. There's something where I feel like, um, whereas, you know, with, uh, although maybe I'll find out that he's, he's like uh, Larry the Cable Guy, where it's all just an act. And, sure. You know, I would be devastated, I guess. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I don't want to dig into too much into, uh, into Cletus T. Judd so that I don't find out, you know, anything untoward about the guy. <laughs> but uh, I just think I, that to me is, is, just, is just always interesting. Uh, any kind of subculture. And an interesting soundtrack album to check out mm -hmm. is the soundtrack album to the movie A Dirty Shame. Mm -hmm. John Waters uh, movie. Yeah. And John packed that movie full of raunchy novelty songs. That's hilarious. It's it's very it's very you would be very very difficult for me to to say listen to this and and you'll you know, oh you'll you'll have one of the great comedy experiences of your life. Sure. You're not going to. You're not going to. Uh but yeah, you'll you'll learn a little bit of something. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with a, the song called uh, Truck Driver Divorce? I don't think so. By Frank Zappa. And he wrote, um, he wrote a song called Truck Driver Divorce. But he's definitely, and it's making fun of uh, uh, truckers. Mm -hmm. and, but he's definitely writing it from an outsider's perspective. This yeah. is, you know, um, this is him kind of looking down on the truckers and, you know, um, and the lyrics go like a truck driver divorce. It's very sad. Steel guitars probably weep all over it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's about this guy who's delivering string beans to Utah, which is like Frank's version of like most useless thing to sure. do in the world, delivering sure. string beans to Utah. And he finds out his wife or girlfriend is cheating on him while he's out on the road and stuff like that. And he's writing this mock country song. And it's totally written from, again, from an outsider's perspective. And the thing about these trucker records maybe as dumb as they are or as crude as they are they're all written from the trucker's perspective they're all written sympathetically right to the trucker and the elmer fudpucker record uh damn dot is practically an anthem i mean it's yeah you know uh it's the the department of transportation is trying to put uh, restrictions on the trucker and like why can't you leave the truckers alone and so i you know to the driver this might be um uh, you know, this is a this is their this is their anthem. This is you know, their fight for your right to party or whatever it is. <laughs> or I am woman, hear me roar. Uh, this is I am trucker, hear me roar. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 difficult to know what to recommend. Sample it. Take sure. about half an hour of your life and and sample it, um, and then you can say, I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd yeah, be yeah. like people who don't ever want to try sushi. It'll be like people who don't ever want to try sushi. Like, well, try one piece. Mm -hmm. And then you, you, can, you can, if you don't like it, then you can walk away from the table, uh, you know, saying, well, at least I tried it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know that in this journey through this, these trucker tapes that I've ever found anything that I would say is, um, is a great album. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, but uh, it, I just like subcultures. What can I tell you? I, sure. <laughs> I like subcultures. I can, I can appreciate that. And you were that. saying somebody was, well, you were saying somebody was uh, disputing you that, that there is no such thing as trucker comedy. 
Yeah, he hadn't Didn't heard somebody about Somebody say that to uh huh. And you can tell him that not there is tons of trucker comedy. Uh, there's more of it than you could ever get through in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and uh, I guess one of these days I'm going to have to uh, be honest and just go to an actual truck stop and see if they can uh, sell me any Elmer Fudpucker. <laughs> I would love to know what always you can get now. Yeah. I would be worried, though, that like, you know, that you'd go to a trucker, I'd go to a truck stop. And they would just smell the nerd on me and they would just say, you know, you do not belong here. So um, that's what I think. That's I think that's my worst case scenario. I don't know of any truck stops around here, but I, I don't know. There must be some because there's trucks around here. Sure. Um, in fact, I live next to and In fact, this is my punishment for writing that article. Uh, I live next to a, um, a strip mall. Uh-huh. And... Uh, right outside my window are the loading docks for the strip mall mm-hmm. and huge 18 wheelers are rolling in all the time, especially in the middle of the night. So, um, my punishment for writing that article for split cider was, uh, years and years of, uh, listening to actual truckers, uh, <laughs> waking me up in the middle of the night so <laughs> to deliver, uh, discount pants to Ross dress for less. Which is, I, I think, maybe uh, a step above uh, delivering string beans to Utah, but um, that's what—that was what's real. The one right outside my window is one for Ross Dress for Less. So, um, if you ever wondered where those, when those uh, stores get their shipments, oftentimes it's in the middle of the night uh, when, because because you know they they want to do it when um, when customers are out, you know, when yeah. the stores are are empty. So they bring in the merchandise at night. So. Um, Trucks are a, a huge part of my day-to-day life, and I've probably gotten run over by them like many, many times. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I walk across, because I walk across the parking lot, and I've probably been, uh, I've probably been run over by them uh, many times. But again, you know, like I wrote about the Uper comedy. My mother was from Northern Michigan. She was from, I don't know, Charlevoix or Alpena. I want to say mm-hmm. Alpena. She was from up there, and we would vacation there occasionally, but I've only been fishing one time in my life. So, um, that's another thing where I'm just a dilettante. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a day tripper basically, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I, uh, although there was one, that was one thing I was glad to hear on a trucker record. I forgot who said it, but, um, a trucker is talking about the things that he loves doing in life. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a nice little, routine about the parts of trucking that he likes and he liked blowing the horn for kids because mm-hmm. i remember i do you remember that doing that as a kid was that something you ever did as a kid was like signal oh to sure the trucker, yeah yeah of course. and then the trucker would blow his horn so he liked doing that and he said he would even like doing that for grown-ups so hmm. I, i've never done that to an uh, to an adult uh, as an adult I'd never sure. signaled to a trucker to like you know toot toot the horn maybe they do it uh this guy seemed to like doing that and he was one of the trucker comedians i wish i could i i wish i had written down which one he was i'm going to credit that to ernie shill so ernie ernie i'm giving you that i'm giving you that uh uh the other thing about uh trucker comedy is as far as i can tell is is an exclusively 
Caucasian field of comedy. There right, are there right. is no diversity in the trucker world at all. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if there's diversity in the trucker industry. There's a little. There's a little, but but you know, but not a ton. You know, not a again, ton. in I, my experience, you know. I remember a few years ago there was talk about there being a shortage of truckers because people didn't want to go into the lifestyle anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, well, there's a movie in that, Trucker Academy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Starring Jonah Hill. I was like, I was pitching, <laughs> I was ready to pitch Trucker Academy. Uh, and my research was going to be listening to a bunch of these trucker CDs. Sure, <laughs> and, of course. And then writing down everything I could hear in those. And uh, so I don't know why it was Jonah Hill, but I, I, I was pitching it as a Jonah Hill uh, comedy, Trucker Academy. <laughs> Uh, it seems like I've been in some while. It's, it's been a while since we had any kind of academy uh, comedies. Uh, there used to be sure. an academy. There was Police Academy. I think Ninja Academy, Beverly Hills Academy, <laughs> Vampire Academy. Sure. And it seems like we, we've we've gotten away from academy comedies. So I was like, well, that's this has got to happen. You know, oh, we've yeah. got this. We got this labor shortage in America. Uh, people are not wanting to go into the trucker lifestyle. Um, did that lifestyle ever appeal to you? Did you ever? Did you no. ever see? No. no, not in a million years. Uh, it's it's interesting to me as a thing to see on TV. Uh, I am I always you know I grew up loving like Smokey and the Bandit and all that stuff, and it was yeah. enough to make me interested in that one record that we've covered on the show before. But yeah, beyond that, no. Only because I know the reality after dealing with enough yeah. truckers, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I had a cousin. Uh, my, I believe my cousin Daryl was a trucker for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, he was saying that it was a hard world to get into uh, because uh, once you got your all your proper licensing, mm -hmm. things like that, your proper training, you couldn't necessarily get on. Uh, there's apparently some kind of caste system or uh, a system to sort of keep people out. Okay. Um, and um, so it's made it's it's very insular. And again, that's another thing that that uh, prompted the article was that this is a very insular uh, uh, world. But apparently, um, it's one of those deals where it's it's tough to get started in it. Mm -hmm. um, so, who knows? Um, I don't think that the world of the trucker will ever disappear uh, because we're always going to need um, we're always going to need uh, goods uh, to be. A truck from one part of the country to the other and i don't see a better way than truckers to get it there definitely yeah. uh, um you know it, showing how all this stuff ties together i mean i was just watching the classic uh, edward r murrow uh documentary harvest of shame mm -hmm. which is about migrant workers and um and about the horrible life that migrant workers were living but um the other side of that was that they were picking all this stuff so that it could be trucked across the country. Mm -hmm. So there's a positive film from that same era called uh, The Truck Farmer. And that's about, you know, they're presenting it as this wonderful thing like, um, thanks to the trucker, you know, people can have fresh vegetables and fruits all year round. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so the positive version was the truck farmer, the negative version was harvest of shame, which is that, you know, you can have broccoli 
in the middle of winter or whatever, but it just means that some guy is making like 62 cents a day or something to, right. to, to pick it. So um, I don't see that the, I don't see the trucker will ever, um, will ever vanish from the roads. Uh, they are part of the reason why I, I hate driving on the highways. I hate mm -hmm. being behind truckers. Sure, so sure. Uh, sometimes I will be stuck behind a trucker and think, now remember, you wrote that big article. You wrote like a thousand <laughs> words about trucker culture. Uh, the least you can do is just, um, you know, drive politely behind the sure. semi truck. Um, but um, no, the, the lifestyle itself, I, I don't think I could, first off, I, I don't think I could last even two seconds uh, doing it, but um, no, it doesn't appeal to me at all. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would have to say I, I loved the movie uh, Smoking the Bandit um, as well. Uh, it's it's weird that 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 moment has definitely passed the the uh, trucker as counterculture hero to everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, there was even trucker action figures and all this kind of stuff right. that has gone away. So it shows you how my uh, every avenue of my life has it comes together. Like I said, I, I found out about uh, trucking a little bit from Ed Wood. And the other aspect of my life is that I, I do a, a weekly um, Happy Days podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's let's get to that. Well, I was going to ask well, you, what do you want to sure. promote? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, um, well, I always talk every every week about what was on against Happy Days. Oh, interesting. Okay. And um, Happy Days for a season or so was on against a Claude Aikens trucking show uh, called um, Moving On. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't compete against Happy Days and they were moving off. So um, uh, Happy Days helped kill uh, a trucker show. So, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's one thing that I have to promote is, mm -hmm. uh, is the Happy Days podcast. These days are ours. You can mm -hmm. find it online at these days are ours dot mm -hmm. uh, My blog is uh, dead to rights. Uh, that's letter D number two uh, rights R I G H T S dot blogspot dot com. Mm -hmm. And you can find coverage of Ed Wood and all kinds of other stuff on there. And the good thing about that is that uh, in the um, in the margin on the right hand side. Mm -hmm are links to everything. So there's a link to my stuff on Vulture. There's a link to my stuff at the AV Club. There's a link to my stuff at the um, Weekly Humorist and Splitsider. And, and there's links to all that uh, garbage. Uh, in the in the margin of my uh, blog, you can go there and um, it, it, it links to everything that I've written. But the, the main thing I guess I have to promote, I have to, have to, have to promote is um, my book. Uh, mm -hmm. Dad made Dad made dirty movies. Uh, it's a biography of the filmmaker uh, Stephen C. Apostolov, the guy who directed uh, Orgy of the Dead, Motel Confidential, Lady Godiva Rides Again, uh, and all kinds of '60s and '70s adult classics. Mm -hmm. uh, this is all making me sound like I'm like such a sleazeball. I mean, all this dirty <laughs> stuff. I, I do a Happy Days podcast. You can't get cleaner than Happy Days. Right? It's a G-rated, pristine show. So um, uh, that book is available. You can get it at mcfarlandbooks.com or wherever you buy books. Uh, you could get it at Amazon, Dad Made Dirty Movies. People ask me, do you care? Like, no, I don't care. And if you want to just get the ebook, it's way cheaper than the paperback. Just get the ebook. 
right. and you don't have to, you don't have to carry it around or anything. It's way cheaper, and uh, the words are the same. Mm -hmm. So uh, just get the ebook. Um, we tell the story about how this guy, is, uh, you know, I, I wrote it with a Bulgarian journalist. Oh wow, real Bulgarian journalist. Mm -hmm. um, about how this uh, director escaped communist Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. uh, he was kind of a, a failed a political agitator in his own country. So he came to America, decided on a whim to go into movies, and then decided from there to go into dirty movies. And that's <laughs> what happened. And he uh, raised five kids and uh, was, uh, you know, a big figure in his local Bulgarian church. And, <laughs> you know, uh, so he's he's a father by day, a dirty movie maker by night, or kind of the opposite. I guess he was making his movies probably, probably during the day and then coming home <laughs> to be a dad at the end of the day. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible story. Um, and he worked with Ed Wood a, a ton. He worked on Ed Wood with Ed Wood a bunch of times. He hired Ed when Ed was a hopeless alcoholic and couldn't get hired by anybody. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, definitely check that book out. And um, I would say, um, I, I, I mean, I was a, a freelance writer. I, I don't ever put that, uh, I, don't, I don't put that out of my mind as, as a possibility, uh, as something to do in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm not really into that right now because um, it, it just wasn't making any money. The book didn't make any money. The articles made a tiny bit of money, but sure. not enough to, uh, uh, I may be driving a truck b before too long here. Um, sure. But uh, you never know. I, I could start writing articles again. Um, Unfortunately, that market is, is really dried up, especially for the weirdo kind of stuff that I write. You know, yeah. there was this golden time when I could say, hey, can I write an article about trucker tapes? And an, art, and an editor would say, yes. <laughs> and that yeah. was great. And I just said, can I write about a guy who was famous for impersonating Richard Nixon? And they would say, yes, you can. Please do. Uh, but, you know, that uh, doesn't happen much these days. Um, I got to write like clickbait stuff and I can't really do it. I don't, I don't really have the clickbait skills anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I would say follow my blog. If I have anything to say, I'll say it there. And um, I got more stuff out in the world already than any of your listeners will ever get through in 10 lifetimes. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, I've written way, way, way too much stuff already. And um, just as when I'm interviewed like on this and as when I write, um, I always say too much and I write too much. So you can skip like every other sentence in what I write. So if I, if you go back to the article about the trucker tapes, like skim it, you know, have to, mm -hmm. I go on and on. I go on and on and on about, I don't know. I, I think I did a whole paragraph about this ad for the Beatles white album. And that's barely tied into the trucker theme. So you can skip all that stuff, but um, yeah, that, that's all I have to promote. I love it. I love it. I, I really appreciate it. I love that this is something you have this deep knowledge of. And, uh, you know, it's not something we've ever like covered in this kind of detail. And I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you had me on here because uh, the people at work, if I start talking about this stuff, they just walk away. They just don't <laughs> care. Nobody cares about this stuff other than me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, well, I, I honestly, I appreciate it. Everybody, please check all that stuff out. Um, and I will just remind everybody the podcast is ending in a matter of weeks. So just keep an eye out uh, for that final episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always.
have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to P.O. Box 725165, Berkeley, Michigan, 48072. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs> hey.